Greetings, 501st Cast listeners. Welcome to 501st Cast Classics, where we re-release episodes from way back in the early years of our podcast. We hope you enjoy this little trip down memory lane. 501st Cast, Episode 2, for November 14th, 2007. You are listening to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, the world's definitive imperial costuming organization. You are tuned in to the latest news and mission reports from the front lines as the men and women of Vader's Fist celebrate 10 years of promoting Star Wars, honing the art of costumes and props, and contributing to the community through charity and volunteer work. 501st Cast, Episode 2. For November 14th, 2007. And welcome back to episode two of the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion International Costuming Organization. I am Dean, TK899. I am Varza, DZ8772. And I am Lore, TK7883. And Lore is joining us for the first time here, so Hello. thanks for the. Uh, Thanks for the memories. Well, we don't have any memories yet. After the podcast, Hi, people will, people remember me, I'm sure. This Your is our second episode. Forget. Thanks for tuning in again. We appreciate that. And this is the November 14th, 2007 episode. As we record this, the 501st Legion membership is currently at 3,899 members. We're trying to reach that 4,000-member goal by the end of 2007. And uh, you guys think we can do it? I think, I we, think can. we can do it. That's about, what, another 100 costumes in next month and a half? 100, 101 costumes. So people, stop shopping. Spend your money on costumes. Because that's more fun And anyway. stop listening to the podcast. Get out there and buy a costume. Well, don't and get stop. It Put it on your iPod. Listen to it in your car as you're going to go get supplies. Exactly. Ah, speaking of iPods, you can also check us out at 501st.com slash podcast. And uh, we have show notes there as well, so be sure to check it out after the show. Anything we talk about here that's worth anything, we'll have a link. And we also have uh, an opportunity for you to make comments on the show, and we totally appreciate any feedback you can give us. Constructive criticism is fantastic. Tell us how good we are, how bad we are, what you'd like to hear, what you don't want to hear in the future, and we will do our best to accommodate you. Also, Varza has set up a MySpace page for us. You want to tell us about that, Varza? Yes, we are now... We are part of the multiple of masses that have invaded MySpace. Um, our site address is myspace.com slash 501stcast. And we, do have a, we should have a link on it on the podcast um, page. So Absolutely. add yeah. us and um, you'll get updates. Friend. Be our friend. And then we'll um, update you and let you know when we are putting out new podcasts and if there's new contests going on because... Whatever we, you know, we'll give you. New, you'll get a lot of updates through there it's on all there. new it's events there. that are coming up. Now I'm not a stalker, so I don't really spend too much time on MySpace. But if stalking is your thing, then be sure to stop by and check out the 501st Cast page. We appreciate that don't and add us, us as a friend, right? Yes, MySpace please. is all about having the the number of friends you have. That's yep. how important you are, right? I, I exactly. Believe. So we're not very important right now, but uh, we'll get there someday. <laughs> yeah. We'll have. I think we are now at 25 friends. So that's thanks, great. Thanks to, so hopefully thanks. the next time when this airs, we'll have like 3,000. So be our friend. Be our friend. Be our friend. We're nice. All right. 
let me go over some highlights right now uh, before we get right into it. We're going to start off with recent news, and we've got some really cool stuff about that Jabba the Hutt puppet that was created by the 501st New England garrison. Well, it's uh, they had it in the parade, but there is more to that story, and we even have a little exclusive interview with Brian Anderson, who was one of the uh, the members of the build team on that. We have some news of charity events going on in Mexico and, and Australia, as well as some news uh, back from the States. And um, then we have an episode of A Different Point of View from TD0013. And we'll move along to some mission reports recovering some of the things that happened during Halloween, which we obviously didn't get to cover in episode one since that was pre-Halloween. And um, we have an exciting uh, mission report from Outpost Bolivia's first event and, and something from the Florida garrison as well, something about pulling planes, which is pretty cool. So let's get uh, and just dive <laughs> right into it. Jabba takes down 501NEG.com. The 501st New England Garrison's latest collaborative project, a, the full-scale Jabba the Hutt puppet, drew so much web traffic to 501NEG.com that their hosting account was canceled without notice. Shame Ouch. on them. Yeah. Shame on those hosts. Bad host. Bad host. A new host was found quickly, and the site is now back up. Yay. The Jabba project which debuted in the Woburn Halloween Parade, received attention from StarWars.com, Dig, Boing Boing, Magazine, and other sites, including our own. A short YouTube clip of Java in action received over 47,000 right now. 47,000 views in the first two weeks, and we'll have a link to that on our page um, at 501st.com slash podcast. And one of the original Jabba puppeteers from Return of the Jedi even commented on the project. So, And you can catch Jabba's next appearance at the Super Mega Fest in Boston on November 17th. And I think we'll have a link to Super... I think it's supermegafest.com, actually. Yeah. Um, so that's coming up... Uh, that's well, this Saturday. This Saturday. <laughs> Saturday, if you're listening to the show as it uh, is supposed to come out on November 14th. So, awesome. Check that out. Well, actually, um, you know, speaking of this great job of the HUD project, I had a chance to speak with Brian Anderson, who is uh, also from the NEG, and he is one of the, I believe there's like three main uh, team builders who, who put this giant puppet together, and he's also the one um, who hosted that YouTube video. Yep. So, um, let's go right now to the interview with Brian and check out what he had to say. Pretty exciting stuff. And Laura wants to know if the person in the tail got stepped on by the slave lay again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we are now joined with Brian Anderson, TK7602 of the New England Garrison. Brian, how's it going? Going good. Great to be here. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for joining us and giving us the insight, or maybe I should say the inside, of Jabba the Hutt. You were one of... I think, what, three, three 501st members who uh, put together this giant uh, life-size Jabba the Hutt puppet? There were a few of us that had our hands in it. it. It Basically, it all started with a conversation towards the end of another troop we were doing. We have a guy, he's actually not in the 501st yet, he's one of our Rebel Legion members that scratch-built an R2-D2 in four weeks. Wow. Just wow. completely all out of things laying around his house. So this guy, Mark, and I were talking. I was like, Mark, we should, we should build a job of the hut. That would be awesome. You know, just like full-size thing. And it just started off as, you know, 1130 at night, just a couple of people babbling about what a great idea it would be. And next thing you know, we're actually doing it. 
Wow, that's that's really awesome. So now, what kind of material uh, or material costs you know went went into making something like this? All total, I'd say Jabba probably cost us about five hundred dollars to build. Oh, that much. Which Mark and I put in some of it, and the garrison sort of pooled their resources and did the rest of it. Uh, where we really started getting into a lot of money on it was the skin. Um, he's all constructed with a spandex skin that's wrinkled and folded to get that nice flabby look. Right. right so right. we ended up using something like 22 yards of the spandex stuff to cover him. You know, I guess that's. Um, you know, you said it was. What? How much did you say? About five hundred dollars. Yeah, about five hundred. You know, and I guess at first it struck me like that was a lot. You know, that might be like a like an armor kit or something like that. But I guess considering you know how big it is, uh, and the materials and the paint and everything, that's I guess that's not really too bad for a, for a life size life size Java. Yeah, and you know we're we're definitely going to get a lot of mileage out of him too. So you know we're planning basically all of our upcoming events around him in one way or another. Well, now he's real easy to transport, right? Yep, the whole thing is light enough that I could actually pick it up and move it around from the inside all by myself. So um, that's really a one-person moving job. Yeah, he he takes a big minivan or a pickup truck or something to move him just because his lower body isn't collapsible. Okay. But the head, it actually... The best way I could describe the inside of the head is kind of like a tent. There are two crossed poles that brace up a big foam... Well tent looking thing right and you just pick it up and you drop it on in one big piece and that's his head his arms and his whole upper body wow so that's one piece then the tail is another section and the lower body is the only thing that's rigid there's a plastic frame inside the lower body to keep him upright now have you um you've obviously been inside i guess uh, just sort of as a test but have yep. you actually got to uh you know who was inside the job of the hut when you when you did the uh premiere at the uh the parade the woburn parade Interestingly enough, uh, one of our visitors from Garrison Excelsior ended up being Jabba. So the first time Jabba was out, it wasn't even someone from the NEG controlling it. Uh, so was there only one person inside then? We had we actually had two. We had Hannah from Garrison Excelsior was inside working the arms and the mouth. Uh-huh. And the NEGCO's daughter was in the tail working the salacious crumb puppet. Ah, okay. There's a small slit in one of the rolls on the tail where you can reach your arm out through. So she was laying in the tail with her arm up inside the Salacious Crumb puppet. So now, are, uh, is Salacious Crumb inseparable from Job from Job of the Hut, or uh, nope. that's just he, an optional? He's standing. Gotcha. He gotcha. Up down, and when he's not in front of it, you can't see the slit because it kind of blends into the rolls of the tail. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's pretty cool stuff. So, what was the uh, the crowd reaction like? I mean, when this was first, it first hit the public. You know, what did what did people think? People were just completely shocked. The biggest thing that I saw was people just standing there with their mouths open. Every once in a while, you'd hear someone, "Oh wow, they have a job out. Oh my god, it's moving." Well, that's really well. That is the key difference. I mean, we've seen um, a lot of full scale props from some of the other garrisons and uh, from other personal collections, but I think that's really what pushes this over the top, and why your YouTube video uh, is such a viral hit. You know, it's just that you know you typically you see there's a difference between a statue and something that is actually operational, even if it doesn't look. You know, 100%, uh, you know, as accurate as, let's say, uh, well, who is it? Is it Master Replicas or... or, uh, or I think it's Sideshow. Side. Yeah, they've got that full-size Java that they take around to different conventions. Yep. So maybe yours, uh, and it's, and it's you know, uh, I hope you don't take it the wrong way, but maybe yours is not 
as accurate, but certainly it more than makes up for it with the interactivity. Definitely. That, that's kind of what we went with as a theme for it. We tried not to lock it into any one particular shot. We wanted to try to make him look a little bit like Return of the Jedi and a little bit like the CGI ones that were added in later, because, you know, mm-hmm. whether we like the CGI stuff or not, the kids that see it for the first time, you know, that's that's what Star Wars is, and that's kind of what they expect, so we wanted to bring a little bit of that into him visually. Okay, now we talked about the public uh, reaction to it. What sort of um, reaction did you get, um, not necessarily in person, but did you get any feedback through the Internet? Did you know, Was uh, uh, anybody uh, sending you email comments about it? I, I actually got two really interesting pieces of communication. The first one was Toby Philpot, who is one of the puppeteers who was inside Jabba the Hutt for Return of the Jedi. Very cool. He did the left arm, the tongue, and the mouth, I believe. Okay. Very specific. And, yeah, he, he actually described to me the way it worked inside, where you know how many people were in it and how they moved things. It was actually very similar to what we ended up coming up with. And he just wanted to extend his compliments because, you know, like we had touched on a few minutes ago, this was the first time he had ever seen a fan-made Jabba the Hutt that was actually animated. And he was just so excited to see that, you know, all these years later, there were people out there that were still being inspired by the work that he and the rest of the puppetry team had done so long ago. Very cool. So who was the, uh, the other one you got a contact from? The second one was actually the original sculptor of the Jabba the Hutt puppet. Toby forwarded along the information to him, and he emailed me with a very similar commentary saying, you know, it's really great to see that you guys have brought our character to life and actually, you know, animated him and moved him and made him a part of the show rather than just a big prop. Wow, that's so very cool. So that, that was a huge honor. You know, this, this is the guy that made the original, and here he is telling us that we did good. Absolutely. Uh, well, has that inspired you to uh, work on any more large-scale props for the, uh, for the New England garrison? We're, we're actually bouncing around some ideas right now. I wouldn't be surprised if you see some uh, wampas and tauntauns running around New England this winter. Oh, very cool. So you guys, it sounds like you might be giving the, uh, the Belgian garrison, the big props garrison, a run for their money. That all depends on how much storage we can come up with. That's the only problem. Once you're done with this, you look around and say, huh, so where's this Jabba the Hutt going to live now? Good point, good point. Well, um, where can fans look forward to actually seeing Jabba the Hutt in person? The next event we have coming up is this weekend. It's Super Mega Fest in Framingham, Mass., okay, which is okay. it's a, sort of like a big celebrity meet-and-greet and vendor room kind of convention. Jeremy Bullock and Ray Park are going to be there, and the convention has given us space to set up Jabba, and we're going to do photo ops with Jabba to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation. That's awesome, and that's really the heart of what we do. If you can tie something into charity, then that's the way to go. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Brian. Thank you so much for your time. And um, again, great job to you and the entire build team for the for the job of the Hut puppet. And uh, we look forward to whatever props you guys are going to be churning out next for us. We'll make sure to keep you guys posted. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And the Mexico garrison actually has some uh, tragic news. There's some uh, flooding in the uh, the state of Tabasco. The heavy rains started swelling waterways on October 28th, and by Halloween, over a uh, 20,400 people in the state of Tabasco were forced to evacuate their homes and find shelter elsewhere. Overall, at least uh, 400,000 people have been affected by this disaster, and almost 80% of the state was underwater. Wow. Yeah, that's that's kind of bad. But it does have an upside, because we are the 501st, and we like to give. Uh, one of the members of the Mexican garrison troop last week 
at one of the shelters to entertain kids and families that were stuck there. And last Saturday, IG-1601 teamed up with a member of the Rebel Legion uh, Mexican base if, to troop uh, the Tijuana uh, Red Cross, and they set up a troop, and they had the local Boy Scouts come out, and they loaded up a truck full of food uh, to go to the Tabasco people. Wonderful. You know, that's funny. That's, uh, that's fantastic that, that, you know, even just one member can make a difference. And this is very similar to that report we had last week with the uh, California fires, where we had um, we had one a uh, couple troops go out to the to the shelter to entertain people and just we talked about how important it is you know even if we're not out there actually you know physically raising money or something yeah. like that it's actually um, you know going out there and getting people's minds off of the tragedy and that's so important during something like this you know people people just want to get their minds off of off their troubles even if it's just you know by seeing a stormtrooper in person um, and you can imagine even the kids there I mean they're probably yeah. You know, they've lost a lot of their, their belongings, and, and then to see something like this yeah. really can just really change their day. So, yeah. uh, awesome I, job, Mexican Garrison. I was looking it up on uh, Tabasco online, and it's considered one of the surfing meccas of Mexico. Um, it's it's absolute what? surfing meccas. It's oh, like surfing a, meccas. Yeah, it's a wonderful, beautiful place to go to go surfing. It's just um, northwest of Belize and Guatemala. On the um, Gulf of Mexico, it's absolutely gorgeous, and this tragedy is going to hit them very hard because sim- I'm not saying it's too much similar, but it's kind of similar to New Orleans where it, they depend a lot on tourists probably. And with the flooding, this is going to take a lot of tourism away, so it's going to affect them for years to come. Um, right now, um, so we don't even know, really know what the whole damage is going to be because, I mean, we, we could still be seeing the repercussions for um, several years down the road. Like they did with um, New Orleans after Katrina. Just- oh, that's I mean, that's true because flooding is something that uh, you know it's not like oh I don't know it's not like a storm that just passes through and then it's gone. I mean, it's something that sticks around. Like you talked about, I mean, water damage is one of the worst things. Yeah, because the foundation of and- homes. Uh, yeah. If you have any kind of you know farming that they're trying to do down there, I mean, it totally will ruin crops. You've got mold issues that happen after that as well. Yeah. And, um, and I think you reported, Laura, you mentioned that almost 80% of the state was underwater. Yeah, almost well, 80%. Well, I think normally it's only 34% of the state is, is, is water. So, yeah, and uh, there's no electricity there right now either. Electricity, yeah, absolutely. You well, have to shut it off. Otherwise, yeah. bad things happen. Yeah. Bad things can happen. So, well, we appreciate the efforts of the Mexican garrison getting out there. And like we said, you know, even one trooper can make a difference. If anybody... Um, wants to donate to this cause, um, we'll probably add something to our show notes that will uh, give you some pointers as far as how you can also help. You don't have to be a 501st trooper to help to help somebody else uh, around the world. Yep. Every penny helps, too. So. Speaking of helping people, we've got uh, another charity effort, this time from the Terror Australis Garrison, which is in Australia. And uh, the members down there have banded together to auction off a unique item, and it's to benefit one of their own garrison mates. Um, they're auctioning off a Stormtrooper helmet, as used by the 501st Legion, and it is actually autographed on the inside by each and every member of the Terror Australis garrison. And let's see, I'm not sure exactly how many members are down there, um, but perhaps Nikki can, can help us out with that. And uh, Nikki is our, our behind the scenes uh, show person and she does all the research for us so we appreciate that Nikki she's our <laughs> imperial yeah we, we call her magic and... quill in the last the last uh, the first episode we called her the magic quill but 
I have found out since then that magic quill apparently is some sort of Harry Potter term. That bars that. Evil that Harry Potter. <laughs> and um, yeah, the new rule is no Harry Potter on uh, on the five hundred first cast. Nothing so. against Harry Potter, but we're we're kind of Star Wars. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have a lot against Harry Potter. Somebody well, said I look like Harry Potter. Well, that was probably I, before I had my LASIK surgery. So I have like this. Uh, I had like this. It's not a birthmark, but it's like something on my uh, on my brow, like when I'm working really hard at the office, and it kind of like pops out and it looks like a little lightning bolt thing or it's something. Probably your. It's probably a, a vein because well, I don't think you look like Harry. Potter it's not vein. a vein. It's not. It doesn't. It's not like that. I know what you're talking about. Like in the <laughs> cartoons where you see like the veins popping. It's not like that. It's more like a like a like a mark that just sort of appears. Back to tag. Uh, they, they, they got uh, oh, 83 sorry. members. So uh, 83. Mem- okay. 83 members. So. Getting back to the charity auction, then that's really what I was getting to. Is this is this is a charity auction, which I believe will be over by the time that most of you hear this. But um, they have 83 members of that garrison in Australia. They had to. I mean, imagine, imagine just the coordination, the effort that it took to get this passed around to 83 people. It's not like you know in, the, in your office when it's somebody's birthday and it's really hard to get like everybody at their desk to sign the card before you have cake at noon. Okay, now try to do that like in the entire country of Australia with 83 members. So anyway, yeah, fantastic job down there. It's really um, deep the bust. So if yeah. the auction's still going, bid on it and maybe you'll win it. It's very unique. I mean, currently cool. the auction is at what? I think we're at like $700. Uh, 700 Australian, Australian dollars. So there you go. I don't know. I have no idea what that translates into American dollars. But um, but I'm sure that the helmet is, is worth every penny because this is a contribution that's going to a member who has given – a lot of his time uh, selflessly, um, you know, putting smiles on, on children's faces, um, doing work from children's hospitals, charity walks in full armor and that sort of thing. He's actually got some mental issues right now, and he's unable to work and support his family. So his fellow troopers down there have gone through the trouble of, of getting this helmet signed, and it's auctioning, uh, auctioning off for a great cause. And because it's signed on the inside, it makes a great display piece too. So who knows? You know, we talked about trying to reach that uh, – 4,000 member goal, well, maybe whoever wins this auction is not a member, but they might be inspired to join uh, by winning this auction. So. And that uh, 700 Australian dollars is about 620 uh, US dollars. Okay, see, now you've done it. See, now you have to translate that for all the other currencies of people who are listening. <laughs> That's the probe droid. That's all Nikki's That's deal. That's the probe droid's job? Okay. <laughs> um, so there's also some interesting news from Garrison Karita, who's actually known for doing a tremendous amount of, uh, of charity work. Varza, do you have something about them? Uh, yes. On Friday, November 2nd, TK9141, TB5918, and TR6517 were on hand to accept an award on behalf of Garrison Carita from the Lower Mar- Marion Police Department, which nominated Carita uh, for the Community Service Award thanks to their annual Police Week uh, event appearances. Uh, the Police Week is a great community event that helps with early childhood drug deterrence. Um, and this was a huge honor, of course, for their garrison. And it was presented by Superintendent Daly, the Chief of Police. So way to go, Krita. And Garrison Krita occupies Pennsylvania, Delaware, and West Virginia. Yeah, Krita has done um, – they've got a great, great website. And they have done some fantastic charity work. In fact, I think the majority – of the events they do actually are charity oriented and you know the 501st legion we do we do promotional events you know we do sometimes we'll just go and, and show up someplace maybe it's a state fair or something like that 
Um, but really, you know, the the heart of what we do really is these these uh, these charity operations, and it's great to see that they were recognized. Um, you know, of course, we recognize you know within our own ranks. You know, we pat each other on the back and say, "Great job." Um, but it's great to have the actual community um, go out and and recognize a group like this for uh, for what they've been doing. So, yeah, awesome job, Garrison Carita. Be right back. There it is. Take, a, take a quick break right here. <laughs> What, uh, what are you wearing? What, what I'm wearing to, to celebrate the third episode of LiveSciFi.com, yeah. I'm wearing a shirt from the 501st. Hey, 501st! One of the greatest science fiction fan clubs, groups, communities, whatever you want to call it in the yeah. world. It's totally focused on Stormtroopers and Star Wars. Yeah. In fact, I met a lot of the guys from the 501st at DragonCon in Atlanta a few years ago. Here's a photo of me with those guys. I had a great time. They locked me up. They did really strange things to me with instruments that I'd never heard of before. But at the end of the day, we all walked away happy, and I had an extra hundred bucks. Does anybody recognize uh, that voice? The uh, the famous person who thinks Five First well, is the best. I you know I I've seen this video, so I know who it was. But if it was the first time I heard that clip, absolutely not. I would have no idea. I, who that is. I agree with you, Dean. I had no idea who it was, and the only reason I know who it is is because, well, you know, I watched the video I... as well. <laughs> and uh, but but well, that but, leaves Varza. Uh, Varza's the last one to know. Then Varza, I do you know, know who it was? everything. Actually, I had no clue who it was until um, I read the, the thing that said who he was. All right. But, well, uh, let's let everybody off the hook. Okay. Who it, was? It, it was an uh, Australian actor, director, and voiceover artist, uh, Anthony uh, Simcoe. Best known for his uh, his role in uh, Farscape is is uh, uh, Cadargo, and he's uh, in this uh, episode, episode three. He's uh, proudly wearing a Five Hundred First T-shirt, which is in the, which is a uh, part of his uh, new uh, sci-fi comedy endeavor on LiveSciFi.com, and uh, you can listen to what he has to say, more of what he has to say, and uh, we'll we'll include a link on our show notes. Yeah, this was really cool. He actually, Anthony actually sent an email to us uh, at 501st.com and, um, and he said, you know, hey, check out my, check out my new webisode. I gave you guys a little shout out. So I was, you know, this, I, I checked my mail early in the morning before I was going to work and I said, well, let me call up this link. And I thought for sure that, okay, this is just like, you know, a desperate plea to get some, some free exposure for his site on 501st.com and, and he probably just mentioned the 501st in passing or something. But when you see this video, I mean, this is like he spends like, well, not 20 minutes talking about it, but he spends like the whole first part of this webisode talking about how much he loves the 501st. He's got his 501st T-shirt. Uh, you know, his, his his fellow actor next to him is sitting there, and they're all drooling over how cool it is. And then he goes and he talks about how he hung out with the 501st at Dragon Con. He shows these images of the 501st with him at Dragon Con. Um, anyway, Anthony Simcoe, he sounded like, I mean, he's just... You know, it's funny. I, what I found is that it seems like fandom really goes both ways. It really does. I mean, uh, I, I'm a Farscape fan actually, and uh, and I thought it was really cool. I was very excited to hear from him. But then watching this video, it's clear that he is just very excited that you know that he knows us, and that you know, and he's very proud to to show the 501st T-shirt, just like a lot of our celebrities. Um, you know, Peter Mayhew and, and Jeremy Bullock. I mean, a lot of them are just. They just love their 501st stuff. Uh, Tim Zahn, um, I've never seen him without a 501st shirt on. Um, so it's just really cool that, that you know, that um, not so much that we're celebrities, but I just love that, that, that you know, we, we can get excited about them and they can get excited about us. 
Very cool. That's what it boils down to. Well, moving right along, uh, on episode one, we had a, uh, a cool thing of a Love different it. point of view. And, uh, and we're going to play another episode of a different point of view. And it's basically the world as seen from a Sand Trooper's point of view from TD-0013. Let's roll it. What I told you was true from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Everyone seems to have this image of Emperor Palpatine as being an evil guy. But I beg to differ. And it's not that he signs my paycheck, it's because I've studied the man's past and seen all the good he's done for the galaxy. Let's take a look at the Grand Old Republic. The Republic was run by the most corrupt bunch of criminals known across the galaxy. You call them politicians. Anyhow, the Senate was 14 shades of snafu, and Senator Palpatine from the planet of Naboo was sick of it. His own home planet was under attack, and the current sitting Chancellor's pockets were too full of bribe money for him to do anything about it. So Palpatine did. He worked the system and ended up becoming the new Chancellor. And once that was done, he started fixing things. Of course, this sent all the really corrupt systems fleeing and rebelling against the Republic. The Separatists weren't the only ones Palpatine had to deal with either. The Jedi turned against him, too, because their corrupt throne of power in the Republic was being threatened. Plus, they didn't agree with him, and we all know what happens when Jedi don't agree with you. They showed their true colors by trying to assassinate the Chancellor, deforming the elderly man in the process. This act of terrorism earned them the new title of Enemies of the Republic, and they were dealt with by the true patriots Anakin Skywalker and the Army. Palpatine then realized that the biggest problem the Republic had was too many voices arguing over every single thing that was brought before them. Nothing ever gets done that way, so he did the best thing he could ever do for the galaxy. He became the Emperor. With an Emperor, the buck stops there, baby. No more squabbling. If it needs to be done, it's done. Simple as that. During one of the many confrontations to take out the Jedi Menace, his good friend Anakin Skywalker was also very badly deformed by the Jedi. And while Jedi would have probably just left a comrade to die, Palpatine went all the way to the planet Mustafar to help his horribly injured friend. He brought him back to the best medical treatments in the galaxy, giving Skywalker a brand new body, a fresh new start, and a new lease on life. Once the Clone Wars were over, he turned his attention back to the real problem, the Senate, and dissolved it completely, leaving control of the systems in the hands of the regional governors, returning the power back to the people who actually lived there. What did he accomplish with all of this? Order, baby. Sweet law and order. And I'll take that over corruption any day. I'm TD-0013, and this has been A Different Point of View. The following has been a presentation of a different point of view. All rights reserved. The opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of the Empire or its subsidiary systems. www.adpov.net And now we're moving along to mission reports. And I think we're going to start off with Halloween events because, as I mentioned before, I think I mentioned before, 
episode one came out on Halloween, so we weren't able to actually report what happened on Halloween as far as what's happening in the world of the 501st. So I mean, we can't possibly touch on everything. I mean, everybody was out there in costume doing something on Halloween, you know, and uh, you know, as the song says, every day is, is like Halloween for the 501st anyway. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, tell you about something that happened up in Washington State. This was a report from Trooper TD9993 from Garrison Titan. And what he does is something a little bit different than just uh, trick-or-treating, the traditional trick-or-treating for those of you who are not from the States. Uh, basically is you, know, you go around the neighborhoods and um, you know, kids dress up in costumes, the adults also, and you knock on people's doors and they give you candy. And if they don't, then you throw eggs and you put toilet paper in their trees. And, Which you know, is illegal. Well, I'm not supposed to do that, but sometimes <laughs> that happens. So anyway, that's trick-or-treat in the United States. Well, this particular practice that, uh, that this trooper is reporting on is called trunk-or-treat. And that is basically when you get a group of friends or um, let's say like a church group or uh, a Boy Scout organization, something like that where you've got a bunch of people and maybe they're not all in the same neighborhood. So it makes it a little difficult. You don't want to have to be driving from neighborhood to neighborhood all night long to get candy and see all your friends. What they do is called trunk or treat. So they get together. Everybody drives to a common location. Let's just say it's a, an empty field or a parking lot at a shopping mall after hours, something like that. And they all park their cars and open up their trunks, and then they decorate their trunks as if it were their front porch on Halloween. I'm talking like you know they put the pumpkin there, and they put the Halloween lights and the spooky sounds and the uh, strobe lights and whatnot. I mean, have you guys ever done something like this, the trunk or treat? No. I heard about it from one of my customers at work, though. Oh, okay, so it's not like something that's unique to Washington State, apparently. Yeah. Okay, well, I've never done it before, but it sounds pretty cool. It does. Uh, so apparently this trooper went out there, and uh, he, you know, he's got some friends that do it. So remember, this is not just random, random people out there, so it's, um, you know, it's fairly safe to do. And um, he said he went out there and set up uh, the back of his minivan basically as like a Star Wars-themed um, trunk or treat display. So he had what a caged else? Jawa and an R2 unit, which was uh, formerly his Pepsi cooler. And uh, he said he gave out almost 300 pieces of candy. Now, I don't know if that means he gave out like one piece of candy to every kid, which means 300 kids. Or 100 or pieces to three kids. Uh, yeah, there's some very <laughs> big children with, with upset stomachs in Washington State the day after the Halloween. I don't know. But anyway, I just thought that was a pretty cool report. Something a little bit different, you know, not non-traditional, which is really what, what we are. So, Laura, what happened in the um, in the Midwest garrison? The Midwest I heard garrison. They, uh, well, it's still it's happening. A little bit more official, actually. But uh, during Halloween, uh, they trooped uh, at the the Star Wars uh, exhibit where science meets imagination, and uh, they they're they're, uh, they're all the troopers are always at those events. But uh, the Midwest garrison, you know, they've been there and they were there for Halloween. And uh, right now the exhibit is there in uh, the Science and Industry in Chicago, Illinois, and it runs until January 9th. So if you're anywhere near Chicago, go there. And uh, most likely if you're there on the weekends, you're going to bump into some troopers and uh, tell them uh, we said hey. But, and, now, wait a uh, minute. This, this uh, Science Meets exi- Imagination exhibit, that's the one <laughs> that's been traveling around. That's the one that started in Boston? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. And if that is the one that started in Boston, that's the one that um, that I believe was uh, actually they actually developed helped develop that exhibit there, and it was so great that yeah, that became a traveling exhibit. Oh, which is, wonderful! Yeah, yeah. Awesome. and its next stop is going to be in uh, at the Franklin Institute in uh, Pennsylvania, 
and it's going to start in February 9th. So if you can't get to Chicago, maybe you can get to Pennsylvania. Yeah. There you go. It's come to Albuquerque after that. It's never coming to Albuquerque. Uh Sorry. Well, you have to have like a science museum there. I think that's the cat. We do have a science museum. They're just nuclear based because we kind of invented the bombs. You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, we're not called the isotopes for anything. So. All right, Varza. <laughs> okay. Tell us what's going on in Malaysia. Malaysia. The 501st Malaysia uh, Brunei Outpost troops the My Sci Fi Fan Halloween Party. Three members, TS2870, SL4411, and TK8598, and a recruit troop this unique Halloween party, which fe- featured cosplay. Horror party games, a creepy psycho hideout, and bloody intestines for dinner. Mmm. That sounds yummy. Um, during the troop, they made a presentation uh, of approximately $300 that was going to go to the National Autism Society of Malaysia in the Selangor, Cheshire home, which is a home for adults with physical disabilities. And the My Sci-Fi Fan club is actually a huge um a malaysian based uh science fiction fantasy group and um they do a lot of costuming and it's a huge costuming group in malaysia sounds like a good troop and then they they raise three hundred dollars so oh that's awesome yeah, yeah I mean, there's and it's always exciting to hear what's going on and you know off of the home turf here you know we're you know um we we the the, the real catch is that we um act locally but you know we think globally, right? Yes, we do. I hope so. <laughs> we better. We're on all continents. We do. We're international. Every continent. International. You can't see an international organization unless you are actually international. So. Yeah. I think <laughs> uh, speaking of being international and events that were happening in other places, we actually have um, – this is not like a, a terribly big report, but this is uh, – it's a milestone report because this is the first event – that the 501st has had in Bolivia. And I believe right now uh, our trooper down there, uh, TK2126, Joey, uh, is a recent member of the Legion and the first one in, in Bolivia. So he's actually trying to establish what we call the Bolivian outpost or the outpost Bolivia. And that just means that you know uh, an outpost is how a, how a 501st group starts. Um, if there's no other presence there, they define a certain territorial uh, boundary. In this case, I guess it would be all mm-hmm. of Bolivia, and uh, and they go out there and you know basically try to recruit people. So here here we go. We got TK two one two six went out there and um, he contacted. Um, I believe it was uh, a museum that was having a. Um, it was like an arts building that was having a grand opening, and uh, and he just you know every opportunity when you when you get your armor, especially when you first get your armor. You're very excited to go out there and just do anything in armor. It doesn't have to be a huge event. I mean, you, you just want to walk your dog around the block wearing your armor just because it's cool. Um, and this goes with any costume, not just armor. Walk any, around any your costume. house by yourself. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I know, like some of the first events I did, I would travel, I would travel hours, you know, just to go to an event. Where nowadays I'm a little bit more seasoned, you know. It's like if something's not happening, you know. Within an hour's drive, I pretty much won't do it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, but when you first get your costume and you're really excited to be involved, okay, so you go and you, you go and you do. So TK two one two six contacted the museum and he was out there just just basically playing like guard duty, I think. And um, 
he said he was out there. There were some other uh, security guards that were there, and he kind of talked to them and made sure it was made sure it was cool that you know he could have his blaster and everything there. You you always want to make sure that uh, you don't get into trouble because that that happens. You know these these things look realistic, and um, and and he was fine. He went out there, and from the mission report, you know. Um, he basically says that he was just standing around there and it was a really surreal experience because people, they kind of stood around him, but they didn't get really close to him and they didn't want to talk to him and they were just, you know, they didn't even, they didn't know what was going to happen. You know, imagine this is the first time that they've seen, I guess, a Star Wars character in Bolivia. Um, and I'm talking about Bolivia like it's some kind of really remote third world country. And that's not the case. That's not, that's not what I'm trying to say, but... Um, there's obviously certain certain places in this world where, um, you know, the media presence of Star Wars is not as strong as it would be, you know, in the states or, or you know, in Europe. Anyway, the the gist of this report, and again, like I said, it's not a very um, uh, very big, exciting uh, kind of thing like marching in the Rose Parade or anything like that. But, but it's it, got to it be exciting for him. Yeah, it's very exciting for him. And the way that the report was written, he was so excited. He wanted to get. I mean, he wanted to get his dad to get into to get into a costume and, and get out there and troop with him. That's how excited he was. He wanted to, you know, <laughs> he, he started the the recruiting starts in your own, you know, yep. in your own home under, exactly. under your exactly. And uh, and his dad's like eighty years old, so you know, he said he would have to think about it before he got into costume. But anyway, so congratulations to Joey on his first troop down there, and we hope the outpost Bolivia um, gets established very soon, and that you are able to grow the membership and help us get to that. 4,000 member goal by the end of the year. Exactly. All right. Well, congratulations, Joey, and welcome to the Legion. And, and uh, Varza, you got some news from the Florida Garrison. Yes. The Garrison Parjai Squad of Northern Florida trooped a Ronald McDonald House annual plane pull at this event's uh, sponsored teams of 25 people tried to pull a 737 plane the fastest. Now, wow. um, what minute, I saying- understand, 737s weigh 90,710 pounds empty. That's so, pretty heavy. Um, and well, were the planes empty that they were pulling? Yes, I think, I hope so. Yeah. Just trying to get some accurate reporting here. Just yeah. full of cargo. Okay, so these were, what are we talking about? 25, 25 troopers, or at least some troopers on a team of 25 people, yeah. and they're like out on the tarmac pulling this, this, this giant yeah. jet? Yeah, they they I tell, I think it's a big rope or chain that's tied around the uh the probably something on the plane and they just pull it. It's like tug of war with an airplane. Wow. Now that's an <laughs> The good thing the plane's on wheels and it's not pulling back. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now so that this is something that happens all the time and I guess It seems like it's an it looks like it's an annual event to raise yeah. money for Ronald McDonald's house, which is a very good organization. Amazingly good organization, but yeah, um, the team that the troopers were on um, did 8.5 seconds. And how far did they have to pull it? That's the question now. Yeah, I think the winning team was less than seven seconds, so that's not too bad for people that were in armor. As as if you've ever seen like the Trooper Olympics, we're not very mobile. So well, that's a pretty cool event. That is a cool. I mean, certainly something different. There's there's a photo opportunity there for somebody i'm sure yeah i mean i would do that if they had that here i would put on armor and try and pull a plane not by myself but <laughs> it would be funny too but yeah laura is a team of one yeah i am yeah. 
Yeah, so we said, you know, for these charity events, Laura, it only takes one trooper. I've That's been right. one trooper at a charity event. So pulling a plane? No, I w- I did a breast cancer walk well, then, by myself. I think you need to stop right now. So <laughs> unless, no. you didn't you pull, pull a plane. That doesn't matter. Well, I walk five miles. Okay, it was just to pull it the fastest, not based on distance. Okay. 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 So it's just, just to, how just fast to get you can get move, it moving. <laughs> Probably. Well, that's pretty cool. That is well, that's neat. a good event, and um, and uh, well, well, hopefully, if if there's a link to something like that, we'll put that on the show notes because that's got to be a really cool picture to see, uh, you know, a, a plane being pulled by by some troopers, yeah, probably Vader and that sort of thing too. Maybe Ronald McDonald. Cool. All right, now um, now that we wrapped up the mission reports. We're going to go into a quick word from our sponsor, Sinar Systems. <laughs> Sinar Fleet Systems Twin Ion Engine Spacecraft. This is the sound of superiority. With unsurpassed velocity and maneuverability, the TIE Fighter represents the new Imperial Standard. Sinar Systems is proudly doing its part to bring order to the galaxy. Are you? On the uh, insider in line, the online, the uh, the hyperspace stuff, they put some uh, fast facts uh, about the Legion on their uh, website. The online yeah, supplement. Actually, I supplied those fast facts. Well, thank you very much. Dean is very cool because he talks to to StarWars.com all the time because he's like famous and stuff. But uh, the online supplement of the Star <laughs> Wars uh, Insider I'm on. <laughs> 96. Uh, viewable only if you have a hyperspace account. So uh, get a hyperspace account. What are you doing? I thought you were a Star Wars fan. But it contains yeah, a list of uh, 33 different fun facts about the Legion. So uh, see now if these you can, these uh, facts. By the way, these facts are the same ones that appear on the top right of 501st.com. Once you get past the homepage, that is. And um, so if you ever want to see all these facts compiled in one place, this is actually the first time that uh, all these facts have been compiled publicly. And actually, there's some facts on there that are very new that are not even in, in rotation yet. So, 501st trivia for you, for you people, and for your members too. You need to go there and, and you need to really brush up on your on your 501st trivia because, as you know, you we don't do not know have who founded camp- the Legion. There's something wrong with you. Somebody founded the Legion. It yes. didn't just pop up in existence with yeah. like 5,000 members already. No. <laughs> yes, the Legion is magic. But also on the on the uh, issue 96, which was an Imperial Focus issue. There was a multi- that was, uh, I think, two issues ago, or it, was, it wasn't the present issue of the Insider. No, I think no it's, the, it's issue 96, which is... October, uh, November. That's yeah. what it was. October, November 2007. Yeah, that's what it says on the cover. But uh, there Got was a... right here in... Yeah, I have it too. But uh, there was an article written by, read Le- by a Legion member. Yeah, I'm slow. <laughs> but there was an article written by a Legion member, uh, Kevin Chrisley, uh, TK1422 uh, of the Mountain Garrison. Kevin and the Mountain Rose. Garrison uh, covers Colorado, Wyoming, and New Mexico. So, uh, and the article's like a nice, like a uh, five-page article. Uh, has lots of pictures of us, and uh, it's very cool. So, if you want to know some stuff about the Legion, uh, pick up this issue. It might be a back issue at this point, but uh, it's very cool. I know. It's yeah, it's actually cool. the second time that we've had an article in the Insider Magazine. The first one was was a couple years back, and. Um, and that was really cool of the uh, you know of of the insider staff to give us that huge of a section in the book. And by the way, I went through 
and counted the 501st references in this book, and it's ridiculous. Uh, you guys want to? You guys want to um, take a guess? I uh, think we should make that our contest. <laughs> well, it's an it's an old issue, so oh, we, okay. we will have a contest. Actually, we're going to have a contest right out. You know, coming up shortly here. But uh, before we get to that, I'm, I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess like 55. 55 bars, or what do you think? This is references, like the times it says 501st or 501st Legion in issue 96 of Insider. 1,042. <laughs> You're just way off. But actually, lore is not very far off at all. I counted 62. That's wow. not too shabby. I got no, that's not shabby at all. I mean, it's not 1,000 whatever bars. Of <laughs> that's like every other word in the book being uh, 501. Yeah, now well, that's the way it should be. It was mentioned. It's mentioned everywhere from, uh, you know, obviously from the contents page to the editor's page. There's an article uh, in there about uh, about Luigi and uh, you know our, our trooper down in Antarctica, and then uh, of course I counted the. Um, they have ads in there, right, for all the action figures and stuff. And every time there's a little action figure box that says 501st, I counted that too. Oh, so as you count know, the 62. As I should, 62 references. So I don't know if we're ever going to break that record, but I just thought that was pretty cool. That and we should cool. give a quick shout-out. A lot of the uh, pictures that were taken for Kevin Ar- Kevin's article was by another Mountain Garrison member, um, William. So I can't remember his number. Shoot, I'm bad. Yeah. Obi-Wan. He goes by Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Because he's oh, also a member of a Legion. Oh, he is also yeah. a member of a Legion, yes. Of the Rebels. He's part of the Rebels, yes. But anyway, yeah, very cool. So he's, he's a great guy, and his photography is really, really nice. To more coverage in the Star Wars Insider magazine, and actually, I, I have to say, it is a, you know, especially um, you know, now that the films are over, and you know, you, you got to get your Star Wars news somewhere. Well, if you don't listen to the Five First cast, or if you choose to look at something in print, then you can look to Star Wars Insider magazine. So, yeah. um, William is DZ sixty nine sixty. And um, Kevin is also in a lot of those pictures. You see the Rose Bowl parade. You'll see the guy in the, in the flag. He, that's Kevin with the Mountain Garrison patch on his shoulder. We're yeah. very proud of him. <laughs> very cool. Let's do the contest right now. Um, we mentioned some sort of a giveaway, and I just think it's fun to give away stuff. And uh, what should we give away? What should we give away? Lord? Maybe some five of. 501st merchandise. Some 501st swag. Stuff you can't get unless you're in the Legion. Stuff that you can't you get anywhere else. Yep. Exactly. You know, and and, don't uh, sell it on eBay if you win because it's not really worth anything. We'll, we'll, and we'll know. And, and you'll <laughs> will. ban you. You'll never be a member. Yeah. Um, well, let's, give away, let's, let's give away something. Um, well, let me, think about, let me think about what the prize is while I ask the question here. Um, and we're trying to just drive pa- traffic. Remember, you can always go to 501st.com. For, uh, for the news that we talk about, a lot of that is posted on 501st.com's homepage, so you'll see it there first. It's also an RSS feed, so you can actually have it on your own blog site, or you can visit um, any one of many of the 501st local unit websites, the Garrison websites. Uh, we mentioned 501neg.com earlier uh, about the Job of the Hut puppet thing, and that's another, that's another site you can go to, and you'll see the, the news gets posted there uh, simultaneously through the feed. So... Um, Definitely uh, go to 501st.com and find out the latest about what's going on. So to get you to go to 501st.com, the trivia question is going to be, 
who is the latest addition to our honorary members and friends page on 501st.com? And there's an interesting little tie-in to episode one of uh, the 501st cast. So if you listened to that episode, you might even know the individual that we're talking about. But to verify that, you should probably go to the 501st.com honorary members and friends page. And I guess what we'll probably do is to encourage people to post comments on uh, on our uh, 501st podcast page. The first person to correctly post the answer uh, as a comment at 501st.com slash podcast will be the winner of... Uh, we're going to make this extra sweet. I'm going to give them a 501st Legion uh, action figure Ooh. by Hasbro. Thank you, Hasbro, for sweet. immortalizing us in plastic. And some 501st trading cards and maybe some temporary tattoos. Okay. Wow. How's that? Is that good enough? That's and they, they need to post the name and the date that the person was inducted? Um, or just the they name? They can't, sure. I mean, if they give us the correct answer, we'll know. Yes. But if you want to pay, post the name and date, and uh, it'll be the first person who correctly posts it. So um, as soon as you finish listening to this podcast or press pause on your iPod now and go to right 501st.com slash podcast, check out the show notes and also give us some feedback in the comment section. That will be awesome. Varza, do you want to wrap up with some anniversary wishes? Or I should say an anniversary wish. <laughs> on this um, time? Happy anniversary to the Italian garrison who is celebrating Garrison their- Italica. Garrison Italica, who is celebrating their sixth anniversary on the twenty second. So happy anniversary! Do, yeah, happy anniversary! Sixth anniversary. You know they've been around. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you look at uh, you know uh, a lot of the new new units that we've had in the Legion that have popped up. You know in the past year or two. And um, that's all they are. They've like been around. Garrison Italica. I'm not even sure officially. I think in, if you're in Italy, you refer to yourself as Garrison Italica. And if yeah. you're outside of Italy, then we call you the Italian garrison. So, so. we're probably wrong, but sorry. Yeah, we're probably wrong. It's one of those things where you know, I guess, you know, when in Rome. So and there is anyway, Rome well, in there. I think that is going to wrap up episode two of the Five Hundred First Cast for November Fourteenth, Two Thousand Seven. Thank you very much for listening, and as always, uh, thank you to Nikki Blum, our behind the scenes. I'm not going to call you the Magic Quill because that is a Harry Potter reference, and those are. Here to four, they are banned. Uh, banned from the Five of First cast. Take that. But thank you, Nikki. Also, thank you to TD0013 for letting us use another episode of A Different Point of View. You can check out more of him at uh, adpov.net. We'll also have that on our show notes. And speaking of show notes, go there. Check out all the links we talked about earlier on the show. And, um, and be sure to give us feedback. Again, we want to know what we're doing that's right, that's wrong, that we can do better. And um, we have some, actually some pretty cool, exciting uh, ideas for some upcoming, upcoming uh, episodes. And we are going to try to keep it real, keep it bi-weekly for you. So please do subscribe to the podcast. You can actually do it now through iTunes. And uh, there's a few other ways you can do it too. But uh, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. And uh, we will see you next time. The 501st Legion is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. While it is not sponsored by Lucasfilm Limited, it is Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming group. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are the intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright 2007, Lucasfilm Limited. 
All rights reserved. Used under authorization. For more information on the 501st, visit our website at www.501st.com. Thanks for listening to this installment of 501st Cast Classics. We hope you enjoyed reliving news from the 501st Cast's early years. We plan to re-release a classic episode each month, so stay tuned.